Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 798. Enjoy the cars, enjoy enjoy your time, because it's all fleeting for all of us. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Doug Hansen. Hey, Doug, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Let's go, Mark. All right. Doug Hansen is a general partner at H&H Motors in Silicon Valley, California. H&H Motors is an auto and power sports dealership Doug and his business partner have owned and operated for over 15 years. Doug's a lifelong automotive enthusiast who's driven thousands of different cars, motorcycles, carts, and quads. He's raced at Altmont, Sears Point, and Thunder Hill Raceway, and he's competed in the 24-hour of Le Mans, Lemons, I should say, since Le Mans was last weekend, and the jump car races. So uh, here we go. So Doug, I have told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure, Mark. I've been in the automobile industry for uh, over 15 years. Basically, I am a small dealership here in Campbell, California, which is right next to San Jose in the middle of Silicon Valley. Been uh, selling cars, motorcycles, restoring cars, buying a whole variety of different cars from six-figure cars to uh, three-figure cars and uh, motorcycles and power sports stuff and shifter carts and all sorts of different stuff. Been a car nut since since day one, since my my dad brought me in to go look at Porsches when I was a little kid and finally he actually purchased a 912 in 1975 and that was the very first car I actually learned how to drive. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. So it's safe to say if it rolls on rubber, you probably bought it and sold it. Probably. Probably. Yeah, probably. Cool. Well, as we continue on your journey and learn more about you, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, or maybe it's a saying that you run your business by. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning. Here on Cars Yeah, so Doug, take the wheel. So if it comes to a mantra, and especially in the automobile industry, just keep your foot pinned to the floor. Just keep going. <laughs> yes. Charge. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, how have you incorporated that concept into the business that you're running? Well, basically, the way I run my business is so lean and mean. I'm basically, uh, my partner is a pilot, international pilot, so he's flying all over the place these days. So the last six or seven years, I've been flying basically solo, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, he does come in and help when he is in town. But I wear every hat from this business, uh, you know, from buying and selling and marketing and what, and what have you. So I don't hire anybody. I do have some vendors and outsourcing if I do make a mistake on purchase or what have you, but, um, you know, I'm wearing every single hat. So it does become daunting at times, but I've been able to perfect it and make money doing it, especially in a place in Silicon Valley where it's extremely uber expensive to live and lifestyle to maintain. I'm able to pull it off without answering to anybody but myself. Well, kudos to you for that. You know, I've had all sorts of different automotive uh, entrepreneurs on the show here from one man operations like yourself to uh, multi-billion dollar operations. And 
I can tell you, yeah, it's not easy. You are living in one of the most expensive areas on the planet. So uh, to be able to be successful and work around your passion for cars, you figured out the secret sauce for sure. Let's go back in time. You talked about your dad buying that 912 back when you were a kid, but I'd love for you to share a story about what instigated your personal passion for cars, that pivotal moment when you realized, oh my gosh, I'm a car guy. Boy, that goes, it goes way back. I had two older brothers and we drove across country a few times when we were kids and I was always very fascinated with cars and trucks and what have you, and I was the one looking out the windows. And I was, unlike my brothers, I think I was the youngest, and I was, it was early for me to recognize types of cars and Chevrolets and Fords and Chryslers and you know Toyotas and all those things, and I was able to recognize those. And I was always fascinated by interesting cars that came out and, and just always had a passion. I remember being a subscriber, one of the earliest magazines when I was probably 10 years old and you'd get those magazine subscriptions you could do uh, as a kid. And I remember the first one I got was Road and Track and I would get that every month and I was looking forward to all that and very excited about cars. So it, it stuck with me. I was really lucky because my next door neighbor was Mr. Swanser. He was an FBI agent. He drove a Mercedes 450 SL that he used to let me detail for him. And he got all these cool magazines and he would always leave them out on the top of his trash can at the end of the month when he was done looking at them. I'd run over across the alley and grab all those magazines and bring them back and go through them. So I was lucky I never had to subscribe back then. But uh, thank you, Mr. Swanser, for all your assistance in feeding my habit for cars. Well, Doug, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You're in an industry that's highly competitive. You're in a very expensive area. And I was talking to Doug in the pre-show chat. He doesn't even have a website. So maybe you can share one of the huge challenges that you have with running a business like this or maybe a big failure you faced along the way. But more importantly, what was that lesson that you learned so that helped you continue on? Because you've been doing this for a while now. So take us to that moment in time that was a challenge and kind of walk us through it. Well, I think the biggest challenge of all is what makes you comfortable being in your own business. What happens is a lot of people want to take on the world, which is great. And there's that drive to do that, that entrepreneurial spirit to grow a business. I wanted to basically have a comfortable living, but yet maintain my lifestyle. So I never really wanted to grow my business beyond the means of my own control had a number of people that I know that have dealerships and they're paying, I don't know, $5 a square foot and they have all these guys and this, that and payroll and, and, you know, workman's comp and all these different things, especially in the state of California, the cost of doing business that they now regress back to kind of doing what I'm doing. And if they can't do that, they actually are in envy of me sometimes like because I am able to maintain uh, my business, be able to make my money, sometimes better months than others, and maintain my lifestyle. Um, I have two young children, so I'm not locked in a box at a, at a yard. I basically set everything up for my cars. Uh, once I'm done with them, People are either going to buy them or they're not, and I'm able to spend a lot of time with my children as well. So I'm lucky I'm able to allocate my time with my young children as well as make a living in, once again, that this mecca of, of technology, but you know, get out your checkbook just to live your daily life here. So. Sure, sure. Well, take us to a point of how you've done this that was perhaps a big challenge at the beginning, because 
usually you meet up with something that you kind of go, oh, this is really a pain. How do I deal with this? And and maybe walk us through that. Because the key with this question is a big challenge or a big failure than how you overcame that. So obviously, finding that life balance, you, you figured it out somehow. A lot of people go through their whole life and they never figure that out. So maybe we focus on that. Did you hit a point in time you went, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go do that so I can have time with my family, have time with my kids and enjoy what I'm doing. Well, I think one of the biggest challenges that I was able to survive, but actually really hit hard was back in 2008 when the currency crisis in the United States hit. Yeah. And that really took a slam on everybody and especially in the automobile industry. Saw many of large dealerships just go bye-bye. Right. And ones that were established and and around for generations disappear. Not only that, basically a lot of the cars that were just the money-making cars, the cash-and-carry type of cars in California, cash for clunkers, was an absolute train wreck for people in the used car business because what happened there was there was thousands and thousands. I remember the day I walked over to a GMC dealership in San Jose on Stevens Creek Boulevard and went to this lot that was about a mile square full of cars. And unbelievable how many nice cars were in that lot. And they were all to be destroyed. The government wouldn't even allow it to be like uh, a... They wouldn't even allow them to save the motors. They had to do something to the motors to make them Wow, yeah, yeah. And it's just unbelievable. And really, it just, unfortunately, I think the lack of brilliance, so to speak, in Washington roundtables, that they didn't realize that they were actually just punishing the poor. But, you know, it was something that, uh, uh, you know, just to make the daily life of a lot of these guys, business-wise, the dealers would keep cars. And cars that were in my bread basket and a lot of these other guys' bread basket, they'd keep them and sell them themselves. And, and it put a lot of people out of business. I was able to survive that, but it was a tough two years of just hanging on. And I just got leaner and leaner. And I used to have a warehouse in the back here. And I, now I'm just down to an office. We expanded for a time and then contracted. And now I'm just down to an office and I'm able to... Uh, live comfortably in the business that I do. Yeah, yeah, that whole program, the minute it was announced, I I thought, okay, this is a big loser for the taxpayers because it doesn't make any sense what they're trying to do. But to hear stories, and I've heard stories like yours from other people too, completely viable automobiles just trashed. It just, you just scratch your head. I I just have to say just one more thing, Mark, that was jaw-dropping, the amount of cars... And just incredible, neat cars, all sorts of different kind of automobiles, anything you can possibly imagine yeah. that were, were there. People were getting such incentives to trade these things in. And there would be incredible, like, old Mercedes. And, I mean, I remember seeing all sorts of different cars, and I could not believe they are just going to destroy them. Yeah, sad. Mm. We'll move on from that painful period. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking us down that road because I have heard that from many, many, many guests that that time period, and I lived through it too, and yeah, it was a horrible, horrible time for the economy and so many companies and all these big dealerships that are heavy, le- heavily leveraged. It just killed them. Uh, you just look at the economy. How can a dealership that's been around for 30 years go under so fast? But it did. 
Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It sounds like you've had a couple of those with the way you operate your dealership because I'm still really intrigued on how you're doing this. No website, no big car lot, no inventory. There's a magic something going on here. So maybe you could share your aha moment about how to be the kind of dealer you are. Well, even though I don't have a website, which we used to have a website, the internet is the most important reason why that I'm in business. That is my showroom. The reason why we don't use the website because it would just be a point of reference from here on out. So I could, I could get my website out there and do those things. But basically I would be using things like Craigslist and now I'm using let go and offer up and a lot of these great apps that exposes these vehicles out. But if they're niche vehicles, like when we were restoring old Porsches and things like that, we would buy a lot of these cars locally and either put them on eBay or a lot of these other venues. I remember the old adage people would say, buy on Craigslist and sell on eBay uh, when it came to niche cars. But the internet is obviously is my window, my showcase for for the world. So There you go. Well, it's very cool. I like the idea of using the social media platform as your selling point because it's basically free. Of course, there's time involved and all that, but you're right. Instead of maintaining a website and so many car dealers, even major brands, their websites just aren't that great. They're just not easy to use and navigate. I shake my head when I go and look at some of these going, gosh, who's behind this? Why don't they just look at eBay? It's a lot easier to use eBay to buy things and so forth. So very cool. Well, how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that stands out for you? I was brought up a Porsche fan with my dad, starting with that 912, and then he had an 84 Carrera, which is kind of a side note. He bought that that Porsche in Zuffenhausen. And I remember that year because I was 16 years of age and my dad had business to do in Europe. And he said, hey, son, you're a car guy, even at that age. Do you want to come with me to Germany to pick up this car and I'm going to drive it for 1,200 miles in France? No, I'm not interested, Dad. (laughs) No, I was the 16-year-old, no, Dad, I want to stay and get my driver's license early. So next fall, I'll have my driver's license. And I passed that up. I Oh, no. Yes. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. And and then I I have a lot of photos from that car driving all over Germany and Switzerland and France. Yeah. You know, hey, but uh, I think I've I've grown from then. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yes. Oh, my and that gosh. That particular car I still have. My dad gave it to me about six, seven years ago. Oh, and wow. I still have that 84 Coupe, and it's an incredible car. It was a great car. He, he especially ordered it without a sunroof. He's six foot five. And oh, okay. It's a neat car. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to own it. I had a 84 911 Cabriolet when I lived in San Diego and I was working there as my daily driver. And I thought one year I'm going to see how many days I can go driving that car to work every day. And I had a commute from Del Mar to downtown San Diego. So that's a bit of a nasty commute, if anyone knows that stretch of I-5. And um, I went 300 days once without putting the top up. And I finally, one morning, it was just too wet. I had to put it up, and that was the end of that. But 84 Carrera, yes, nice cars. I did some uh, uh, cone driving days out at the sports arena there, the stadium, if you will, Qualcomm, I think it was back then, uh, and actually went and did a driving experience. And Vic Elfert, the Vic Elfert was my driving instructor which was wow. yeah, pretty darn cool back in the 80s yeah. when Porsche had their driving experience that they were traveling with, and he was one of their, their guys. So very fun car. Well, it's so nice that you still have that. What color is that Carrera? 
It's Grand Prix white. Ah, cool. Very nice. Very. Mine was platinum, kind of a different color. It never looked dirty. If you ever want a car that you don't have to worry about washing, get platinum. <laughs> it never looks wow. dirty. Yeah, it always looks clean. And I'm a clean car nutcase for all my listeners out there. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. And maybe you already answered this question. What was your first really special car? Boy, I've had a lot of cars. And I, trust me, I love air-cooled 911s. I do. I still, I still have two of them. I think the car that I, I love the most and I wish I still had to this day is a 1967 Westphalia Volkswagen bus that oh. I bought out of the paper at 17 years of age for $600. Wow. And it was a complete car. It was a walkthrough. If anybody knows those cars, the walkthrough is probably the, the preferred one to have. It was the last year of the split window bus. It was the first year of 12-volt. I'm six foot four. You put up the pop top and I could stand straight up in it. To this day, I miss that car. I wish I still had it. You know, just two days ago, I had Mark Prabanik on the show. He's a guy who is uh, pretty well known out there on Instagram and so forth. He drives an old 356. It's kind of a Tiffany blue color, but he also has an old bus, split window bus. And we talked at length about uh, the Bully Brigade, which is a big event that he hosts every year where all these old VW buses come. So, all right. Well, you answered two two questions with one answer there, both a favorite car and the car that you hate selling. So let's move on to today and this year. What has you really excited and fired up right now? now about your business? Well, uh, the business has rebounded, which is good because since 2009, I'd say from 2000, late 2008 to 2012, that long, that many quarters of business, things were never really much better than okay. But after 12, it started to get better. So things have kind of normalized for the industry here in Silicon Valley. The amount of cars that come in here there's so many cars in San Jose, which is great, just on the business side of things. Mm-hmm. So that's normalized, and that's gotten me back to a place where I'm able to make enough money where I'm not uh, up at night. And uh, especially with two growing young children, I know how much work I have in front of me to do in the next 25-plus years. So. Yeah, we talked about college coming. So uh, I always tell my friends, now that my kids have done with college, is whatever you're saving, triple it, because whatever you're saving it yeah. is not enough money, I can guarantee you. So yeah, it's a it's a de- uh, tough deal. But uh, well, I'm excited, excited to hear that for you. That's very cool. Here's a very introspective question, Doug. If you were a car, what kind of car would Doug be and why? I'm going to have to be a late-breaking understeer light 911. Oh, cool. That's, just, that's what I like. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. way I've always learned how to drive. I mean, I, we're, I'm driving, uh, we're racing a GTO, a 2004 GTO now, which is a great car. It is, you, you got to manhandle this machine. It's like a NASCAR car. It's faster than any race car that I had per se. If my wife knew how fast it was, she wouldn't let me drive it. <laughs> yeah. It's a great car, but it's a heavy car. And it's a type of car that I, I was not, I've, I've driven it, I've raced it four or five times now. And I have never been used to having a car that has so much weight coming into corners. Um, it's got big Wellwood brakes on it and what have you. And mm-hmm. I'm still not used to having to try to harness a locomotive and point it straight and, and, and get get all that power down. But yeah. that's why I, I love these old – we used to race the Beamers and, and the you know the Porsches. That's the kind of stuff that I grew up with, and I'm very lucky that I, I had that presented to me and I was able to indulge in it. 
Definitely so. You mentioned your wife. I raced vintage cars for some time, and our local track here is Pacific Raceway. It's a road course. And during one of our big events, the 4th of July event, which is actually coming up again this year, the 4th of July historics here for the Sovereign Racing Group, my wife decided to come to the track and watch me race. She'd never done that. She was very nervous about my racing. And Dominic Dobson, who's raced in the Indy 500, he's been a guest twice on my show here, He gave her some drives around the track in a brand new Mercedes because the dealership was sponsoring that. And she came back from driving around with Dominic and said, you're not doing this anymore. I had no idea there was all those turns in the back of the track. I thought it was just a big oval. And so, uh, yeah, Dominic got me in a little bit of trouble there. I had to kind of walk her off the ledge or talk her off the ledge a little bit. I didn't think it helped having Dominic at the wheel either because I think he uh, took her around that course pretty darn fast in that new Mercedes. So (laughs) I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Well, Doug, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal... Let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at carsyeah.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun! Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. Okay, Doug, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You're a racer. You know what that means. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't buy them new. 
<laughs> there you go. Yeah. Wait for the depreciation factor and then get them a deal and buy them from somebody like me who takes really good care of their cars. You'll benefit for sure. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Be frugal. These are liabilities in cars. If it comes to cars, it's a liability. And the key is, my, my mom told me a long time ago, my dad did very well in this valley, and I was a kid, and I said, Mom, why don't you get a Benz or a Beamer when she was driving around Corollas and Subarus? She said, I'd rather have a nice house than a nice car. <laughs> yeah. And today she has five houses, and she can buy any car she wants. So, uh, you know, that, that's the way. Yes, absolutely. Great advice. Now, do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Well, bring a trailer is always interesting. Um, I, you know, I read Panorama. I, you know, I've, I've, I watch uh, Bring a Trailer. It's interesting. I'm an old Mopar fan, too. I used to have a bunch of those old cars. And, but, you know, there's so much stuff out there on the Internet, which is great. You could just bring it right into your, into your uh, living room any, every day, which is great. Sure, absolutely. I've had the founder of Bring a trailer on the show here. It's uh, one of those enticing things you see every morning in your inbox. I almost don't want to open it sometimes because I realize, here we go, another 15, 20 minutes gone <laughs> looking at all the cool cars. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would that be? Wow. I think it'd be Ayrton Senna. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. What is it about Senna? You know, I just love the seat of the pants type of driving. You see that footage of him going through Monte Carlo and you see him racing and he's uh, that guy, that guy seems so seat of the pants type of driving, just an absolute talent. You could tell the talent, even with this old grainy footage of him behind the wheel the talent he must've had. And wow, what a driver. Yeah, he's one of my favorite uh, past F1 drivers. I like him so much that I actually have one of his quotes on my business card. My listeners have heard this before, but I'll share it again. The past is just data. I only see the future. Ayrton Senna. I love that quote. Always looking ahead. Great metaphor for life and for racing. Now, is there a book that you've read recently or in the past that you think our listeners should read? I would love to read a bio of some of the old Porsche guys like, like uh, you know, I, I, sh- I shared a photo of uh, Derek Bell and Hans Stuck. Those guys are incredible to me. So yeah. anything I can know more about the, uh, you know, this might be a risque quote, but I always love the quote that Hans Stuck said about the most important muscle in the body, in the human body. A lot of people are saying, oh, it's the brain or this, that. No, it's the sphincter because of the kind of driving that those guys were doing. It's absolutely relatable. When when I heard that, I said, boy, that is straight on point. Yeah, absolutely. Seat of the pants for sure. Well, listeners, you can find all these great links that Doug has shared today on his show notes page at carsyad.com slash Doug Hansen. Just go there and check it out. And there's a great place on the Cars Yeah website, great resource called Guest Recommended Books, where I've got all the books recommended by guests listed there for quick, easy clicks to buy. Over a thousand books, awesome books. So check it out on the Cars Yeah website. All right, Doug, we're up to the checkered flag. Today, we're going to have a little bit of fun. I do this with all my guests, but this question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world. Anything you'd like. It doesn't matter what it costs today, but you got to drive it. You've got to enjoy it. No garage queens. And you can't sell it to buy a bunch of more toys with. So that little trick is off the table since you are a wheeler dealer. So what would that car be and why? Wow. Uh, it's going to be kind of out left field, but I think I would still 
one of the favorite cars that I ever owned was a was a and I I, I would I would have it today was a 1964 Imperial. Boy, what a car that was! Wow, you did take me off the road there for a minute. That car was one of the strongest cars. I, I, I could go in length. How when we had that car, I had a '64 Imperial when we were in high school, and every one of my buddies tried to take a piece of that car and try to break it. And just like the movie Christine, it would not die, <laughs> and it never died. And boy, just you know, it was the pride and joy of what Detroit used to be absolute tank of a car turns into an animal when you want it to be and you let off and it's the quietest grocery getter you could possibly get i just i i had nothing but respect for those vehicles you know the imperial was such a strong car if you look at the smash up derby derby uh the the whole the whole it's not an industry but the the whole uh culture of smash up derbies the Imperials were so strong that they were banned from the smash-up derbies because they would destroy the big Lincolns and Cadillacs and Chevys and whatever that was out there. They would destroy them all. They had to have their own smash-up derby against other Imperials. <laughs> That's impressive. Very impressive. Oh, my gosh. So I think those heads had what they called the Wedgehead V8 in them. They, they had up to like a 7.2-liter motor. Yeah. yeah, monster. So, wow, you did throw me off there. I had, I would have never guessed you would have picked that car. So I think you're the only guy who's ever picked that car out of almost 800 <laughs> people here. So that makes you very unique, Doug. Well, you have taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey here on Cars Yeah. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you head off into the Silicon Valley sunset in that 64 Imperial? Ha! <laughs> Boy, enjoy every day. God's God's gifted us every day, and we're lucky to have uh, a lot of great vehicles. And, you know, I'm lucky here in California, and I'm sure you up there in the Northwest have a lot of beautiful roads to ride and, and drive and uh, enjoy it. Enjoy the cars. Enjoy, enjoy your time because it's all fleeting for all of us. Absolutely. And if people want to follow you or find out more about you or learn about the cars you have for sale, how do they find out or contact you? Uh, the best way to contact me would be basically, I'm an old school kind of guy is just send me an email. Okay. And that would be, that would be at Doug S. Hansen, D-O-U-G-S-H-A-N-S-E-N at yahoo.com. There you go. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything Doug has shared again on his show notes page here at the Cars Yeah website, carsyeah.com slash Doug Hansen with an E-N on the end of his name. Doug. Thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your automotive experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Hey, thanks, Mark. All the best to you. You're welcome. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. 
Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Cars Yeah!